Hey, this is Francesco from Light the Torch, and this is the Hard Rock Core Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Mark, and welcome to episode 51 of the Hard Rock Core Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time, thank you for giving me a chance. If this is your second, 10th, 30th, 50th, thank you for the continued support. I appreciate you listening, tuning in, and uh, appreciate the likes, the follows, the subscribes, all that good stuff, the comments. I appreciate it. Keep them coming. I enjoy what you have to say, positive and negative. Today, with episode 51, I am bringing you the conversation with Francesco Artusato from the band Light the Torch. They will be putting out a new album June 25th entitled You Will Be the Death of Me and I've been able to listen to this album a lot. Their best. And going through a little bit of the history with you know Light the Torch, The Devil You Know, Francesco uh, gave a great conversation. We talked a lot about music, even music theory and composers, but a lot of great conversations here with him. And I hope you enjoy this conversation today. And I don't want to waste a lot of time babbling here. I just want to get straight to that interview. But as always, you can find me online at hardrockcore.net with links to all of the socials, including Instagram, Twitter, Spotify playlist, the YouTube channel, and of course, all the information for the podcast. Let's get straight to it now. My interview with Light the Torch guitarist, songwriter, Francesco Artusato. Hey, Mark. How's it going? This is Francesco. Good. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. And now I learned the correct pronunciation of your first name with the correct accent in there as well. Yes, Francesco. Yeah. Now, it's because I uh, I always want to get people's names right. I think it's disrespectful to say their names incorrectly. I mean, I'm kind of used to it. I lived in the state for almost 20 years, and it's always been Francisco, Francisco, something like that. It's like, you know, that's why I think like people started calling me Fran. I mean, one of the first ones was Howard, but now everybody calls me Fran. Easier. <laughs> you gonna blame it on Howard? Uh, no, I mean, I actually I don't mind Fran. But it's it's quick and people get it <laughs> quicker, you know. Right. I uh, I interviewed uh, Alessandro Del Vecchio, um, producer, okay. songwriter. You know, he's he's based in Italy and does a lot of stuff for Frontiers. And I had to ask him the correct pronunciation because he says a lot of people see his last name and they think it's del vecchio but it's del yeah, vecchio of course yeah yeah but but that's yeah, just america with the age yeah you know we, we always see things differently but uh you've been here like you said close to 20 years now yeah i moved to the states in yeah yeah, yeah. it's like uh, 20 about 20 years ago what do you miss most about italy I mean, obviously family. I mean, all my family's there, and that's number one. Like the country, you know, like this feels like home, honestly. Like at being in the states, and uh, and obviously the food. You know, food is a a big thing over there. Uh, I don't miss the weather. I mean, I live in LA, so it's the weather is amazing, pretty much all the time. And uh, yeah, I think like uh, 
I mean, overall, I, I obviously also, you know, the, the people like just the fact that, you know, born and raised in a, in a place, you, you just used to that. And so that's always going to feel right in a way. You, you're still going to feel at home. But, you know, I actually haven't gone to, I haven't been in Italy in like two years. And uh, I'm actually now that, you know, now I'm fully vaccinated. My, my family, they're all getting vaccines and stuff. So I'm planning to go there as soon as possible. Great, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm 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 basically American at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned the food. Now, did you learn how to cook with your family when you were growing up? Was it something that was just kind of the cultural thing to learn how to cook the uh, the Italian cuisine? Well, actually, it's kind of weird because when I lived in Italy, I did not kind of care about. I mean, my mom is a great she's she makes great food she's she's awesome and and so i grew up just eating really good food made at home and uh, and i kind of never thought about oh i should learn and then when i you know when i got accepted to go to berkeley college of music i was like okay yeah i'm gonna start living in the states and i didn't even think about like i i should probably figure out how to make some food and so like the first few months or like maybe even a year i was just either eating at the uh, you know the the cafeteria in in the school or uh, the eating outside. I really didn't know how to make pretty much anything. But then uh, I think later on, like after school, I, I just figured out. And then I started whenever I would be visiting in Italy. You know, I would ask my mom to just show me a few things. And then you know, now I actually love cooking. You know, and uh, I can you know it just fun and especially if you're making food for other people you know so i like to have people over i mean obviously the past year hasn't been really much of that but yeah my wife and i cook all the time she loves when i cook that's awesome that's one of the things i was reading in 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 the notes that sent uh you know got sent to me from tim at adam splitter was you know having you know howard over and cooking dinner and things like that and that's when you decided i think it was to do the cover song possibly yeah 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 to me it's it's like it's a typical like to me lunch lunch is kind of like whatever but dinner is like the time like a social time it's not just about eating food you know you sit and you spend you know i'm we don't eat just like you know 10 minutes we just like spend time like it's a conversation it's like eating food and get all the different things it's not usually just one meal like one dish like multiple things but you know, and yeah, when Howard stays here, you know, obviously evening just fun to, you know, put up put on some music and just make food and have a drink or something and yeah. And uh yeah, that, that specific day we like my wife put on like some like eighties compilation on Spotify I think. And uh, and that song started playing and you know, we both like looked at each other like, Oh, I love the song and then kept listening to it like while well, I was you know, making food. And I was like, Hmm, I think like we should do this one. <laughs> so yeah, it's like sometimes just things happen kind of randomly like this, but we, we're both, we both love, uh, you know, eighties pop and just like uh, pop and rock. And, uh, so there's like so many songs that we cover, but yeah, that one's like, I always like the, just the, the melodies, the, the, the voice of just, you know, like a really cool song. 
And I think you guys did a great job, you know, putting a a metal spin on it, a rock spin, and the dynamics with it were really, really cool that you guys did. I, I like when people can take a song and kind of transform it a little bit, and I think you guys nice. did a great job. Nice. Thank you. So, obviously, the last year, you know, you talked about not having many people over to, you know, celebrate the family, but it's been a, a weird past, you know, year for all of us. And was most mm-hmm. of your spent year spent, you know, making this new record, the You Will Be the Death of Me? Well, actually, like, because obviously we put out the record now and people might think like we, we work on the record during the pandemic and it was all done before. Like we were done with the record in February. And at that point it was getting, was being mixed and mastered. And so that aspect mix and master, uh, mixing and mastering happened during the pandemic, but we were done in the studio. We basically finished in February, 2020 and, uh, and left on tour because we were on that kill switch tour and which we had to, you know, basically fly home like three days into the tour. But yeah, the, the record was done. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's been kind of weird just sitting on that and you know, waiting for this record to be out. And, you know, now finally feels like Jesus took forever to just have a single out. And, uh, but yeah, we're, we're actually, very stoked to finally see things happening. Was it difficult to sit on the album and not want, you know, after you submitted it to nuclear blast and not difficult to go back and go, Oh, I want to change this or I want to add something here. Was it hard to do that? Uh, I think like I, this time, like, uh, between the writing, the music for the past, I don't know, the, the year and a half before you know, hitting the studio and just being so obsessed with the, with the music and going over and changing revisions. And then we did pre-production and then I kept writing and changing things. And then even when we were, we actually spent a month in the studio, just tracking vocals and, uh, you know, and just, you know, with arrangements and things. So like, for me, it would be like, wake up like at 6am work on, revisions for what we were working before and then around you know noon we start the studio and sometimes i would come home like in the evening and just go back like i was just literally almost like losing my mind how much like i was just obsessed with the every detail and then to me it almost like so when we got to the end of it i was like i can't wait to go on the roads and forget about this record you know, obviously I would be listening to the mixes and all that, but it's like, I don't even want to think about this. Like I kind of forced myself, like, I don't want to go back and all oh, maybe change this, change that. And then when the, you know, the pandemic, like in the, the whole COVID thing started, I like, to me it was kind of like, especially at first really felt hard to kind of accept it mentally. How was like, we had, you know, so many things planned for the year, the tours and, and then the, the record was supposed to be out, uh, was supposed to be released last summer. So yeah, there was basically at first it was like not even time to think like, Oh, let's go back and change this, change that. And then after that, it started being like, okay, we won't put it out in the summer, maybe in the fall. Let's see how things go with COVID. And then like from the fall, like, okay, maybe early next year. And then like middle of, you know, spring. And then now it's like beginning of summer. So 
and, and it kind of like at the same time, it kind of feels like things, obviously, as you can see, like things are finally moving in the right direction. And then we're seeing like shows being announced and, you know, we all have our fingers crossed and hopefully we'll, you know, bands will be back touring at the end of the year. And so kind of like it felt right this way, but like, so last year I didn't, I didn't really have like time where I would think like, Oh, maybe I should change this or change that. It really kind of felt like, uh, I think I did my best like at least what I could be, you know, in terms of like music. And I think like Howard did like, you know, his performance is phenomenal. And so it's like, I was just like very satisfied with the record. It's like kind of like the first time that even after, I mean, it's been obviously more than a year. I'm, I'm still listening to the song. I'm like, wow, this is really good, <laughs> you know? And, you know, not because I, I don't think like previous stuff is, is good, but it's just, uh, it's, it's normal for, I think any artist, to kind of like start doubting yourself or like kind of like, uh, you know, just not enjoying the things you did a year before. Right. Cause like, especially if you're a kid, you know, you're always evolving. Like I think an artist should, you need to start liking less of things you did even a year ago. But I like, but the, I'm still so happy with this record and, um, yeah, and I'm actually just now I'm starting to write again because of uh, usually it's like it was kind of similar even with revival where after we were done at the studio I just like was spent completely and the same thing happened to Howard we were just like kind of a uh, for a while like okay we we kind of like you know also because like with music you know you, you I end up like working on the music for like a year and a half. Or, or like going back and forth. And then the songs that we put on the record, they're not all the songs that I end up writing. I mean, I might write 20 songs or more, you know, and then, uh, and then keep working on them, keep changing. And so, yeah, it's like a, it's a long process for sure. Yeah. And, and I, I, I respect the ability to kind of not go back and try to redo it a lot. I know a lot of people, it's, it's hard to, listen to an older recording and go, Oh, I wish I would have done this here. Or maybe we would yeah. have doubled this chorus mm -hmm. here or something like that. You think about those things. I know you're very centered on songwriting and, and you have a very musical background with your, um, you know, going to Berkeley and everything. And as I listen to it from my perspective, the album's very concise and just, I mean, all the tracks are very solid. I think the track listing, you know, the running order is perfect. And and I think my favorite song on the album is Something Deep Inside. I really like how it drives in those verses. And uh, I, I like the riffing there and how you, uh, as you descend on some of the notes and you come back up on top on the, on, you know, higher up on the fretboard. I, I really enjoy that song a lot. Nice, nice. Yeah, that song is like just very energetic and just, kind of a positive, like, uh, you know, to me, like when I hear songs like that, it's just like giving me, you know, energy. Like it, it's literally like thinking like, okay, somebody's going to listen to this, going to want to work out or something or like go running and things like that. And, um, yeah. And honestly, like, I think like this time also because like, you know, with the records that it, we've done in the past or like even with previous events, you always, 
like a year later, two years later, you're always like, go back. It's like, I really wish like, you know, there's like one thing that I learned. If something doesn't feel perfect while you're working on, forget it, change it because you're never going to be happy with it. Cause you, you could be like, even if you have producers saying like, no, this is good. It's like, yes, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. It's like, and you're not convinced with that. You know that if you leave it like that a year later, you'll be so pissed that you left it like that. So I think more and more, every record that I do, I get more obsessed with, I don't want to leave anything that doesn't feel right. You know, like, uh, and so I just, try to kind of like, it, it, that could be also dangerous because if you start overanalyzing everything, you know, it's like, it, it could be like, man, uh, people are going to listen to the songs and they're not going to hear what you're hearing, what I'm hearing because like all this time spent with the songs. Right. So you end up like focusing on like one little detail maybe, and you stop like thinking of like the, the big picture and like the, the, the overall song. But yeah, I think like uh, that's another thing that it's, it's a skill that you learn more more albums that you do. I I notice how I'm just getting better at it, just and catching the things that sometimes like you know you eventually digest and like it's something that doesn't feel perfect, but you you can tell like it's good. I think like you know, and sometimes you just want to trust you know producer or or the other guys. It's like if everybody says like yeah, this is great. But, you know, most of the times I think like uh, you just got to make sure that you're extra happy with everything because otherwise you you regret it. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you putting out the, the first single, The Wilting in the Dark, there's some melody in there that sounds very, and I'm trying to remember the exact, I, I, I'm not even going to try to hum it to you because I can't sing to save my life, but it's it's a melody thing that's very melodic and it almost sounds like a superhero movie. Do you know which part I'm talking about in that song? Is that, is that the main riff or? No, I think it's more like after a chorus later on, like the middle of the song. Okay. Is it like a vocal melody? No, no. It's a guitar melody. It's like a dun, okay. dun, 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 dun. I, see, I, I can't even do the vocal. Yeah. I'm going to shut up with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think like you talk about the, the bridge, which is like a reintro. Yes. Yes. That's like the part. Playing the, yeah. So it's like isolated by itself. You hear the, the melody. Yeah. And that melody is actually like, you know, most of the times if I write, like, uh, you know, when I write, I kind of start from the groove. I, I you know, feel like the, the drum groove. And then uh, like, to me, that song, I want to just like energy, like, you know, like jumping kind of feeling like people getting excited. Like I do think like live, obviously like how it, how it is to perform this song live. And so like after that, I started to think of like a, you know, some kind of like melody theme, but yeah, I did, I did want to have like this kind of powerful epic and not too dark, you know, kind of a melody with the guitar, which is like, a, even this type of language is kind of like a newer to me in a way, because like I used to, only write really dark like uh, melodies and things that would be like my thing like you know I always like that but now I'm like you know that I, I think there's like a, it, you know the same thing with like writing in a minor key or major key writing in a major key it's almost harder because it's hard to not make it 
silly and cheesy and all happy, you know? So it, you kind of need to find a, you know, I think like a, a, a different flavor, but, but, but yeah, I can, I can see how like, it could be like a, you know, a superhero theme or something. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. Cause you mentioned the major and the minor key and I'm, 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 a drummer, but I can also play instruments. And I studied a little bit of music in college as well. And, you know, when you talk about the major key and most people think about, you know, like a one, four, five progression type thing, you know, when they talk mm-hmm. about, you know, major keys. And I think one band who's kind of done that, but been able to not make it sound happy is Volbeat. You know, they've yeah. had that crossover to be able to play things in those major keys, but it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like the Ramones or Blink-182 by the, by yeah. how they do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, that's yeah. definitely a hard thing to do is, is play in the major key and not make it sound like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not make it sound a little happy and, and kind of like still, still bring depth into like major keys. But that, again, when you study, you know, especially studying the music, music theory, there's so much like, especially with classical music, there's so much of like, major like and even jazz and even like there's so much whereas like you do have major keys but first of all you, you're using the different modes of the, of the you know but it, it yeah you did not necessarily need to sound happy and uh absolutely well you pulled me into something now thinking about the the class music and we, if we think about beethoven's fifth is the intro is that major or is that in a minor key that dun 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 no, that's that's minor. That yeah. is a minor. Okay, that's a minor. Yeah, but like he's done like a, a lot of the other like uh, major key music where it still sounds like extra powerful and epic. You know, it's like instead of sounding kind of silly, you know. Yeah, there, there's just certain certain people who have certain tones and certain ways they write. Like obviously Beethoven has his thing, but Osco. Um, Igor Stravinsky had his thing, you know, yeah. it was very, uh, I don't know if Russian's the right word for it, but kind of typical of that part of the world, you know, with, with the, the way that he wrote those melodies, but almost seemed, were they predominantly pentatonic? Well, that was like actually the beginning of like a kind of like a, a new era of uh, music writing. And then happened when, uh, for the first time, basically, European composers, musicians started hearing music from the, from the, like the, you know, from Asia. And that's when exactly they started like developing more like, uh, ideas of, you know, using pentatonic whole tone scales. And then, and then same thing with WC, you know, creating your own basically kind of scales, like pick five notes, pick six, six notes instead of seven. And you go around those. And, um, yeah, and, and Stravinsky is like, oh, he was the, the master of that, just like creating melodies that felt like, oh, I never heard this before, you know, and it's exactly what it was doing. And also like rhythmically started following patterns that were not just the, the typical things that people were listening to. That That's key. See, my favorite composer is Antonio Vivaldi, who is obviously Italian and, uh, Many years ago, I was uh, in college, and I spent a couple of days in Italy and was in Venice, and I there was a plaque of him on this wall celebrating his 
obviously his music and I had to take a picture of it just, but like, no, you know, yeah. what he did, but that's, uh, you know, obviously more of my, if I'm not mistaken, a Baroque period. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he was almost like pre Baroque. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is great. See, I, I love talking with people who, who, uh, understand like y- y- your songwriting and your history and music, you understand the full scope, which is, which is incredible. And it's, you know, you can appreciate the, 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 the classical, as we'll call them composers and, and the new stuff today. But I wanted to talk because you mentioned this a little bit about really taking the time on this album, the production, the production on this sounds very concise in the vocals and some of the stuff you guys have done with keys and programming. Can you speak to how you approach that this time around a little bit? Well, I think like, uh, especially when, uh, with like the torch, like the sound started more, uh, like in my head, it was a, more and more the band, uh, I didn't want the band to sound like two guitar players, you know, but in order to bring, you know, like, uh, interesting layers and things like the more, like I would add synth, you know, and like just work on that aspect. And I think like, I'm just getting better at it and just like have a better year for that. And, um, and so on this record, I think like, uh, you know, I really pushed to create, you know, cool textures and layers and, you know, program things and then play other things. But, um, that's why it became part, a big part of, uh, you know, the songs. There's some songs that I, I wrote even without, uh, recording guitars, you know, just like it'll be like drums and synths. And then after that, I started adding, you know, guitarists over it. So, it's kind of like it created this texture and uh, I think like maybe like this created like a, the, an overall sound that you kind of hear throughout the record. And, uh, so yeah, there was a lot of working on that element and, uh, I always like, I, I love doing pre-production, you know, to me, like the idea of just going straight to, you know, I send obviously in the, the year, year and a half, I keep sending songs to, to, to the guys. And, uh, so Howard gets familiar and, uh, and they give me notes, you know, Ryan Howard give me notes and like what they like, what the, and then, so then we start, you know, more and more, I, I start writing thinking, okay, it, Howard really digs this two songs. Okay. So this is the style. Well, this is the, you know, I want to develop, I want to work more on this type of language. And then, um, yeah. And going to pre-productions, like that's when you actually start putting the ideas down and you like finalizing at least two or three songs. That's what we always do. Like we try to focus on two or three songs. And, uh, and after that, like having more time before going to the studio helps me incredibly because at that point I really know, okay, this is the sound of the record. And now I can rework other songs. I can write new songs. And, uh, and then I, now at that point I have like an, a very precise idea. And then same thing with Howard, like kind of like getting like what kind of tone with in terms of lyrics, uh, themes and, and, you know, and obviously us talking about how we want to direct the record. And so, yeah, it's like, especially this time, I, I like the fact that we had, we really took our time, you know, it, it wasn't, I, it, to me, it's like the process of 
you know, recording and I mean, writing and recording, if you have any kind of like, you get a rush, any of it, it just, I, I really hate it. Like I, I've done like, you know, records in the past where the, the record's not even mixed. You have to go on the road and then they start sending you mixes and then you're like on the road with headphones listening to mixes, not in your home studio where you know what things are supposed to sound like or how you want them to sound like. So I think like a key like here is just to, you know, take your time, like at least for us, take our time and do it, like be patient, do the things when they feel right. And, uh, yeah. And honestly, Howard would just right away connect, especially with certain songs immediately. And it would be like, Oh, I have some ideas. It might be terrible. And it would just be at the studio and just sing. And the first thing he sings is like, everybody's looking at each other. Like, wow, this is such a good melody. And, um, uh, that happened a lot uh, on this record happened a lot. So to me, I'm, makes me happy because I, 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 I feel like, you know, more and more w- working with him, like, um, you know, we work well together. I know better and better what kind of music I should write for this. And then, uh, I kind of have like an idea, like if I write a specific song, I know he's going to do great over it because at this point, like, you know, when we started with, you know, that you know, the first record was kind of like, well, I mean, I'm writing this, the songs that could be for any singer or like, it wasn't like I, I didn't have experience really working with him. And then more and more, this is developing. So yeah, I, I think like, um, and he's also, I mean, he's got great, you know, like sense of, you know, like, uh, melodies and rhythm. And, and so it helps a lot. Like there's a lot of feedback come back and forth. And, um, yeah, he's, a. Uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it just had, like, it It became easier for us to work together, and it's just more kind of, like, uh, immediate. We, we can kind of tell right away when something will turn into something good. Right on, right on. That, that's that's great. And it, just to, and I know we're getting light on time right now, but the last time I saw you guys play, you were on tour with Avatar and Trivium, and Howard was doing double duty uh, mm-hmm. on vocals that the show I caught was actually up in Portland um, at the crystal ballroom. And um, obviously you guys have had some drummer situations that are, I don't want to, you know, maybe it's almost spinal tapish at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the press photos, there's just the three of you now. And I know Alex from white, uh, white chapel played on the album yeah. and you guys are, you know, just now announcing that you're hoping to resume that kill switch August Burns, uh, red tour you know sometime early next year where yeah. where do you guys stand on the drummer situation at the moment or do you have anything well, even planned well so after you know after all that mess that became like with devil you know and like the name change and all that stuff like was the the drummer that we had at that time so with light the torch it was like the three of us so it when we got uh mike Shalera to record uh, on the album was just okay we're hiring a drummer so you sort of like you know so even like going on tour it was just like a you know hiring a session player so i think as like for now this works great for us because i mean it's kind of like it, it just regardless you know it's 
I mean, there are a lot of bands that, I mean, they don't even say it, but there'll be like one person writes the music and then the other guys just go on tour. Right. And so like the fact that you can change and, and get a different drummer, like if it, you know, it feels like it or if it just becomes like a thing where, you know, it's like the style maybe changes differently and you want to get a drummer that is like perfect for that style. I think like in, in this case, uh, hiring Alex, I mean, I've been, you know, a fan of his playing for, for a very long time. Him and I were on a, you know, some kind of side project that we did years ago. Like one of those projects where just a bunch of musicians playing on the record and then he did a few tracks and like, we actually never met in person. And then we started talking, uh, like, uh, two years ago when, uh, we were trying to see, to have him, uh, to play with us live. But then he was like extremely busy with, with his own schedule and touring. But then when it was time to record the album, like even though Alex is known for usually heavier material, but you can tell when a drummer he's got has like, first of all, like incredible dynamics, the guy, he can literally, you can like a producer can tell him like, okay, you're playing at eight now play at seven and just very consistently always hit the snare at that volume. And he will, it's like, it's incredible. Like uh, producers love recording him because of that. And uh, yeah, like you listen to his, his like takes, not even compressed or anything. And, and it's just like so consistent and unbelievable. And the timing is perfect. And um, yeah, and, and like to me, it's like even though the our music is, is fairly simple for being, you know, a lot of the metal that you listen to, I wanted to have that extra flavor. There's a reason why, you know, I always thought it's like, you know, when you listen to all the records from, you know, like all the great, uh, like pop and rock from eighties and nineties, like you listen to a Michael Jackson record, you listen to sting, you listen to Prince record. The drummers are always unbelievably good. Right. And I always like growing up, I would be like, why, what's the point of getting like such an incredible drummer if your music is so simple. But I learned that actually it, it totally makes sense because once you have that level of skills, that level of control, you can, you can bring that extra element and makes just music sound differently to me. Like, for example, like a band like corn, you know, like now they have Ray playing drums. Like we, we, we play festivals with, uh, where corn was also on the, the same day. And then it, that's one of the bands that I always want to watch live. Like since they hired, uh, Ray and Ray's like, a their drummer to me is one of the most fun bands to watch live because of the drummer. I, I love drumming, you know, it's like, I, I don't play drums, but I love just like, you know, good drummers. It's always been a big thing. And like I said, I was saying earlier, like most of the time I start writing from the groups, you know, if I write a groove or I hear some kind of like pattern or something, like I, I usually think of that aspect. Cause to me it is kind of like the most important element. You know, it's like that's what makes people like uh, react to a song differently more than anything, uh, you know. And so getting a guy like Alex was, uh, I was so happy when he figured out he was able to, to do the recording. And obviously 
the whole experience. It's exactly what we expected, what we heard. The guy extremely prepared shows up and then like records like, you know, so fast, everything sounds good. And the guy has like different version of this, different versions of that. I mean, like the fact that I programmed the drums, I like to me, it's more like a matter of like programming or like giving an idea of what the, the grooves should be. You know, this part should be a tom part with these type of accents. This part should be on the crash and the, and so like the overall part, but obviously, you know, like we want to have a drummer like that because he's going to do his own things. And just the fact that he understood so well, the music and then everything that he would add or everything that he would try fits like so well, like in the past, you know, work with drummers where, you know, there's always like, you don't know if it's like a, the ego thing, or but sometimes like a drummer would think like, oh, this would sound great, but you're not really thinking about the vocals, the guitars, the keyboards, everything that is behind it, right? And uh, and so like when you do find drummers that think so musically, I think like a, it's, a, it's a big, big plus. Well, and, uh, you mentioned Ray. That guy's just a beast, and what he brings to corn is phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even like you know the 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 simplest groove, or like, it just gets played with so much excitement and energy. It just makes a big thing. And like, they, I mean, I always like since you know uh, the Berkeley days when I remember hearing like, well a drummer is the conductor of a rock band, you know, without a, without a good conductor, a great orchestra won't sound good. And without a great drummer, the, a good band won't sound good. And it's so true. Like you can, you can have a, a kind of okay band with a great drummer and they might sound great because thanks to that, you know? So like drumming, it's so important. So fundamental for sure. And people may not realize that uh, even even going back to the 80s and you were talking about some of the pop records, those drummers are about the groove of the song. They're not there to overplay, but they yeah. captured the groove. And that's more important than the guy. And you going to Berkeley, you know, every guy there is, is well, I won't say every guy, but it's a very, um, it starts to become competitive because everybody wants to, you know, I can do, 18 different patterns, my right hand, left hand, mm -hmm. you know, everybody wants yeah. to do those different things, but can you just sit back and play twos and fours and make it sound, you know, like Aerosmith or make it sound like Prince or even Madonna. Yeah. Some of those things are just Peter Gabriel. They're so musical. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's true. You're right. Drummers, drummers can ruin a great brand. They absolutely can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy, but um, I, I, I know you're pressed for time, and I'm going to thank you so much for talking with me today. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. I know we have a, you know, a, a month and a half or even more until the album comes out, but uh, I'm very excited to it. I've been listening to it since uh, the interview got lined up, and I'm impressed. Nice. And that it, it, like I said, it flows well. It's definitely from, you know, Devil You Know to Light the Torch. It's, it's definitely the strongest release by far, and it's good to see the progress and the songwriting. It's just super impressive nice thank you so much thank you appreciate it no don't thank you for your time perfect man thank you so much my friend i appreciate it and when i get this edited i will shoot you a link as well awesome 
Appreciate awesome. it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Francesco. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was my conversation with Francesco from the band Light the Torch, also Devil You Know, All Shall Perish. Phenomenal musician, and I love when guys start talking theory with me, you know, talking about major, minor keys, composers. I always love that stuff. Sometimes I wish these interviews could go twice as long and really go down the rabbit hole and talk about some of the influences, the writing styles, you know, modes, all that different stuff. But shout out to uh, Francesco, a great conversation, much appreciate him. And shout out to Tim over at Adam Splitter for setting this up for me today. Much, much appreciate you. Don't forget the album, You Will Be the Death of Me, will be out on June 25th via Nuclear Blast. Be sure to pick it up. Do the pre-order. I got some cool merch bundles out there as well. As always, you can find me online at hardrockcore.net with links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, the YouTube channel, and of course, all of this podcast information. As always, stay safe, stay true, tell your family and friends you love them, give them a hug, and have an awesome day. Awesome.